Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay and Ellie. I'm Lorelai Weissel. I'm Chris Delano. And I'm Carrie Thomas. And today we are talking about the two magic art books to come out this month. So the first one we're going to talk about today is Magic the Gathering Legends A Visual History by Jay Anelli. Oh, that's me. Look at that. Hey, that's nice. It's good stuff. I mean, you're, you're okay. Yeah, all right, I'll, I'll take that. that. That's a fair review of me <laughs> as a person. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're a good bean. I appreciate you, Jay. Yeah, you wrote a book. Look at that. So this was written in 2019, in early to mid-2019. The graphic design work was done after that through, like, last October-ish. And that was the last edit we had for that was in October. So that's why you don't see anything about, like... Uh, there's not a whole lot in there about modern Zendikar or anything like that, because uh, none of that was going to be uh, out yet when this book came out. Uh, or, I'm sorry, was supposed to come out <laughs> last <laughs> summer. Uh, it got delayed because of COVID-19. Um, it just ended up that it came out the uh, same time as Commander Legends. This is not directly tied to Commander Legends. Uh, if I recall correctly, there is maybe one character, maybe two shared between them, but I don't remember everyone who I have in there. So, yeah, it was it was interesting to work on. Uh, the direction I was given uh, was to make these bios uh, access as accessible as possible for a newcomer. So. This is intended to be newcomer friendly, which the larger Viz art books aren't quite so much because they're a bit heavier on the world building details. Uh, these It's full of 112 bios of legendary creatures, um, each of which has about a paragraph or two that gets into their characterization and maybe some uh, very important history uh, to go alongside it. Yeah, well, when or the other book we're talking about today is um, Art of Magic, The Gathering War of the Spark, which uh, has some deep cut material in it. And that's absolutely not what this uh, smaller book is. This is uh, a nice, this is just like a nice casual read. I, I Casual, I think, is the way I, I want to describe it. Because it's like the, the information that's there is like good and chunky in like little little chunk bits but like it's a couple paragraphs at most for a character so it goes quick but tells you like the important things it's a it's a high high density of important i love the size of it we were talking a little bit about it before we started recording and this is like the perfect book for you to just like have out on your coffee table uh and you can just kind of like look at it while you're chilling out and maybe like your roommates making dinner or you can just like give it to a friend and it's not so big that they'll have to like lug it around they can just put it in their bag and carry it with them it's just like a nice it's just nice yeah i cannot like i'm aware of the size of these art books i cannot emphasize it's like eight times smaller than the this media art books like not not exact measurements but it's the the um i believe it's abrams just their art book series has been much smaller and it's a little bit more manageable because this like 
the Art of the Magic the Gathering books, books weren't exactly coffee table reads in general. They're, they're intended as art books and have a lot of full page spreads and like maximize that space. They are excellent, but yeah, they are they are huge. So the the intended audience for this is much um it's 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 people who are not the hardcore Vorthos necessarily, although it's you know, it's mixed. I think uh, <laughs> it's about been about 50/50 whether the more hardcore Vorthos have been like, "Hey, I love this" or "Hey, I I I didn't need this at all." Which both are perfectly fair. I love that I own it. I don't necessarily think it's like the most important book of magic knowledge that I now own. I, what? I think that it is a great book for me to own, and I'm happy that I have it because it is really pretty. There's a lot of really good art in it. Um, the information is really condensed. I was saying I left it out on the counter, and my roommate like flipped through it, and she was like finding the characters that she thought were really cool. Um, and it was great because she could like find a piece of art for a character, and she was like, ooh, who is this Thalia person? And she could be like, oh, this person's really cool looking. And then she read the blurb and it's like, it took only like a minute and a half to get a rundown of who Thalia is and her history. And she didn't have to like spend an hour reading this whole story of Innistrad. She could just kind of get a little bit of who Thalia is. The best way I can sell this book is uh, by everyone who has it opening up to page 76 and 77. Um, Because I like, if you want to boil this book down to, to one I want to say one page, but it's really it's two pages, but it's a book. So they're both visible at the same time. Like this, this is just what it's about, because we have the blood splattered biceps and rippling <laughs> thighs of Radha today. And on the other side, uh, best abs in the multiverse, planar chaos Radha. And it doesn't get better than this. <laughs> this is peak Vorthos content right here. <laughs> there are images of Radha in the book. Yes, I I, I will say. Uh, so uh, a thing not everyone knows about Radha's Planar Chaos card is that the art on the card is uh, pretty heavily cropped because uh, she is holding a severed head, and uh, you actually have the full art printed in the book, which is neat. I I was kind of surprised that the full art was in there and it wasn't the the cropped version on the card because yeah, you again you just see a, her holding a severed head by the hair <laughs> and it's badass, but. That was a nice little art detail. There's uh there's a couple of concept pieces in here, um, which is neat. I know there's one of Ulamog. Oh yeah, all of the the sections on the Eldrazi Titans are just amazing. The art looks so good in this book. Yeah, I, I like that y'all got the original Kozilek art in here with the like the little bodies coming off of his hips, because those are creepy and people don't notice them a lot and you should look at them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, geez. You know, I never noticed that before either. <laughs> uh, here's my actual gripe with it, is that it does not seem to be stocked in stores, like, actively physically. Like, you have to order a physical copy online in order to get it either delivered to you or delivered to a store near you. Which, like, this is... I know I saw Rise of the Gatewatch in stores, but it was, like months after its release and like i legitimately think that this should be like a next to the magic products thing like you can just like get mm-hmm. this actual small art book that is kind of manageable size um and same with rise of the gate watch like i understand that that doesn't exactly work out planning wise and it might be due to covid or distribution restrictions at this point but it's like i want these things in stores I know I shouldn't be going to stores to pick this <laughs> stuff up, but I do enjoy going to a Barnes and Nobles every once in a while. So 
I think this this book would do amazingly well at your local game store just next to the magic product. Just keep a copy on the the countertop and people could just kind of flip through it and be like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, it's only like it's less than 20 bucks. I'll pick up a copy. Sure. And I should note, so we, we've brought up Rise of the Gatewatch now. This is uh, essentially a sequel to Rise of the Gatewatch. However, uh, part of the reason I was hired for this is was in response to some of the uh, complaints to the first one, uh, namely that it was kind of anemic in terms of uh, like actual information in there. It was just kind of a picture, a bunch of pictures on page on pages uh, with some themes going along with them, but it was uh, it didn't really tell the story of the Gatewatch or anything there. So having someone who would actually write the story to go along with the art was part of the reason they brought me on for for this one. Yeah, uh, Jenna Helen did that one, and uh, Jenna is great. Uh, she's also busy making card sets <laughs> all the time, so uh, I I am glad that these little books continued and that you were available to uh, take over for those, because they're neat, and don't like when employees get a little too much on their plate, and so it's nice <laughs> to uh, not have the one more thing to do. So Jenna wrote the foreword, but the rest of it was kind of written by multiple people in in, in Wizards of the Coast, uh, including the art director on this one, Daniel Ketchum, did a lot of work on that one. And yeah, basically the reason he hired me was because I was like, this this was a lot of work last time, Jay, and I would like you to do that work this time. <laughs> well, I think you did a fantastic job, Jay. I think that uh, this is a, a perfect book for someone who is maybe like not super invested in magic lore but also maybe you just want a cool thing to have on your shelf i'm just very happy i own it it's a it's really nicely laid out too um it goes uh each character has either one two or three or four pages usually um it's all organized by plane uh each plane section has a little introduction on what that plane is about and then goes into some legends from that plane and then you go on to the next plane and um you know, Jay, as, as you had mentioned, this was slated for release earlier this year uh, after Akoria, so we get up through Akoria, which is neat. It's a little confusing to me because I looked through and I did not see Godzilla. Did I miss Godzilla? <sighs> you know, if they had told me about Godzilla back then, I'd have been insisting on it. And they'd be like, but, but Jay, like, we have to represent the actual characters. Like, no, 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 Space Godzilla. <laughs> this is now a Godzilla book. I... I... Right now we have, I mean, up to this point, we've had the Art of the Magic the Gathering series, but this is like our only real surviving physical lore product aside from uh, those disgusting cards that everybody plays with. So, Oh, I haven't played with one of those in so long. Yeah, I found they just burn too easily. Um, You, like the, the support for the Art of Magic the Gathering obviously supported it up to more of the spark-ish. I mean, this one came out a year after the set did. Like, if you want to see more physical lore products, and especially art books in this vein, possibly with different approaches and stuff, like, just go buy the book. Like, that is the easiest way to directly show your interest in the thing. That That is definitely important. So I should be clear, I'm not going to make any more money on this if it sells well, but it's much easier for me to get hired back or for me to be able to pitch other things. Wow, what a shill. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? 
if if the book sells well. So um, I, I would appreciate it. But, you know, if, if it's not your thing, that's also OK. I think Chris kind of nailed it when he said when he was talking about his roommate. Uh, this is really something that you give your friend who is maybe into magic, but not into magic's lore. So they can learn some more about some of their favorite characters. Uh, someone who plays commander but isn't into uh, magic's lore would be a perfect person to get this. Uh, if you're into magic lore but just want something, you know, small and easy read, you know, to reminisce on some of these characters, that's good too. It is not intended to be an encyclopedia of these characters. Uh, so please don't don't yell at me when <laughs> <laughs> if you open it up and you ask, well, why why isn't gosh what obscure lore should I mention? Uh, why isn't it Callist in this book? Well, because Callist is dead and he doesn't have a card. Okay. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Don't you mean Jace? <laughs> yes. Hey, it's 2020. We're making Agents of Artifice jokes. Uh, I, I know the the Callus uh, card and Commander Legends crowd is very, very enthused for the rest of this spoiler week because we are on, we record this Thursday night and no Callus <laughs> card has come yet, so... No calloused card yet. Nope. Yet. Good beans. I I know most of those people. They're good. They're good folks. I I for their sake, I really hope we get a calloused card. Me too. No comment. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that kind of leads me to to another point about this. So obviously, this is my book. We're talking about it on my podcast with my friends here. Uh, if you want to review it, feel free. Don't tag me in your review, but it's okay if you didn't like it. I I don't really care. But if you're going to do a review, please do an actual review and don't just complain about how it is not not whatever you in, envisioned a, a massive magic tome should be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've, I've read a couple of the reviews before I decided reading reviews is not for me. Um, and some of them are very well put together uh, and others are, well, okay then. Uh, but it, it's it's not a big deal if you don't like this book. And obviously... I'm going to be biased towards this book on this podcast. So feel free to seek a, another opinion from uh, someone who, you know, uh, isn't afraid I'm a sociopathic murderer and going to come to their house if they don't uh, give me a good review. See, I'm afraid of that, but I'm, I'm still <laughs> totally willing to give you a bad review. Oh, thank, thank <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't give it a bad review. I think that there is a lot of importance in giving honest reviews. Uh, so if there's something that you like or something you don't like about it, say it in the review because there are a lot of times people say things they don't like and then i read that and i go oh my god i want this because the thing you don't like is exactly what i'm looking for you know like i am so happy mm. that things are you know if, if someone you know says like oh it's really short i'd be like oh that's perfect i don't want like a giant tome i want something short also just a review tip uh, if there are things you like please gush about the things you like uh, people think being critical means pointing out flaws. Uh, that is not what being critical means. And uh, if you're giving feedback and you want it to be constructive, talk about the things you like. Because, yeah, avoiding things like just from from the perspective of a creator, from an artist who has to make things that are consumed by an audience, uh, saying things you don't want is good. Uh, because avoiding things you don't want is is part of <laughs> I was about to say part of the business strategy is making things that people actually want and and so 
knowing what not to do is good, but knowing what to do more of is more valuable than knowing what not to do. So if there, this is just, this is just kind of general advice, not even specific to this book. Like constructive criticism is great, but also shout about the things you love and want to see more of. Uh, I personally want to see more pictures of Kumena, my idiot boyfriend. Uh, there's a good <laughs> full page on uh, on page uh, 233 is a nice nice full art from his card art um, by Tyler Jacobs, and it's it's really good. Oh yeah, I mean like the, the thing that we probably haven't stressed enough is how pretty this book is. Like it is full of art. Like not just like a little bit. I mean like the pages were stuck together when I got the book and I had to like loosen them up because it's just art all the way through. It is it is uh a lot of a lot of art in the book. Yes, that is true. All right, so serious, let's let's move on to our next oh, book. Hold on. I, I I I do I do have one more thing to say about this book. Maybe maybe my favorite page in the entire book on page uh, two fifty five, uh, where in the acknowledgments where you say, um, "I'd like to apologize to my co-hosts at the Vorthos cast, Caroline <laughs> Weissel, Ashley Barrow, Brian Dawes, and Carrie Thomas, for their many absences as they finished this book." And you know what? Apology not accepted. You have to make those hours up, or you're fired. Oh no! Apology accepted. In Shroom section, you identified her as Crucius's mate, which is <laughs> a detail that's only available in Test of Metal. I canonized it, yo. Oh god, Jay, what have you done? You're, if you continue getting book deals just to canonize Test of Metal bit by bit, and only taking the good parts, <laughs> only taking the good parts, mind you, then I'll, I'll be set. I already signed Will's copy of Testamental saying that it's canon, so you got to make it true now. <laughs> me, me, me too. No, no, no. So in, in all seriousness, some of these bios, while I wasn't allowed to create new lore for these bios, I was allowed to uh, synthesize uh, other pieces of lore, uh, kind of like um, the Kineos and Tiro section combined uh both the story two two different backstory things that had been attributed to them uh the origin of melitus with the goddess uh ethara i think yes gifting the power to the people to overthrow the archon and then uh adding kineos and tiro into there as well so that that was a fun thing to do yeah and like some of the stuff is like you pulled hythonia lore which i think was only available in an inside R&D video and was probably like available in an internal document prior to that but like into this book like it is very scarce stuff getting all compiled into one readable place some of these characters are very hard to find <laughs> yeah. existing lore on so one of the things we were looking for is uh important to the story one popular with commander players was number 2 and number three, the third criteria is we're looking for a like a diversity of creatures and people to include in the book as well, um, which meant some random Gorgons did not get a ton of lore because outside of Vraska, no Gorgons have really, and maybe the Sisters of Stone Death, no Gorgons have really featured heavily into the story. Yeah, there's some there's some good like I don't want to call them deep cut characters, uh, but I guess they are. I don't. My perspective on all that crap is warped um but there's there's some surprising inclusions in here which uh was nice to see as long as i could justify them i got them in there but let's talk about a different book let's let's talk about the bigger book 
Let's talk about James Wyatt's magnum opus in the Art of the Magic the Gathering, War of the Spark. Easily, I think, the best constructed of these art books in in this series. I-M-O. This is uh, probably the farthest, not farthest reaching, the widest reaching of the art books so far. So up until now, starting from the beginning of the Bolas arc or the beginning of the Gatewatch, uh, we got an art book for everything up through Ravnica. This is the book that ties all that together and all of Bolas's history from the beginning until now to explain it up until here. Like when I opened it up and I saw that there was a Madeira section, I was like, uh huh. I was like, hot damn. (laughs) Yeah. So, can can we just like immediately jump into what I alluded to earlier with some of the deep cuts? This book mentions not not everyone by name, but it mentions Piru as Chromium's mate and mentions that Chromium died defending a friend, Ravidel, and like that stuff's just referenced for the uh um the Elder Dragon comics with the whole things between um Palladiamores and uh Vivictus and like that stuff is just mentioned in this art book. And this is stuff from the Armada comics. And uh, you can tell from the tone of my voice that that excites me very much because I love the Armada comics. And like, that stuff's in this art book. And that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. So to give you an, give you an idea of how it flows, uh, it starts with the eldest of dragons. So it talks about the elder dragons. Then it talks about when Nicobolus first appeared in Magic Story which was way back in the Legends 2 cycle, where he was the god emperor of Madeira, and uh, Tetsuo Umezawa defeated him, and all of that is included in here. Uh, And then it jumps forward to the Mending, uh, when he was revived, and Alara, with uh, his whole plotline there, when they brought him back in a dramatic fashion in the actual card sets, Uh, and then jumps forward again to the Zendikar... Uh, and the general lead up to War of the Spark and what he was up to on on every plane. It, it's amazingly well laid out. Like the the story of Nicol Bolas, like I jokingly called this the art of Magic the Gathering Nicol Bolas earlier. Uh, it is the story of Nicol Bolas from start to finish, and it is incredibly well laid out. It follows the narrative so closely. It jumps all over too. It's not just like the magic sets that we've had since we started off the Bolas arc in a way. It goes through and has whole sections on Mirrodin and Nuphorexia, uh, which is, you know, that it's got all these things just sort of outlining his entire plot and plan. And it is just incredible. So uh, it does. It also features a lot of planeswalkers in here. Everyone from from Garrick to Kaya. So, well, OK, you mentioned Garrick. It has, I believe, everyone who appeared in War of the Spark. Uh, but then it also has Garrick, um, <laughs> who is not in War of the Spark, but uh, for is I, I guess it's mentioned because of the connection to Liliana and the Chain Veil. Mm-hmm. But but otherwise, Garrick has nothing to do with Nicol Bolas. Well, at no, all. Bolas had to arrange for Garrick not to mm. be there. Yeah. Oh my god. Th- thanks, <laughs> thanks, Morrow. Yeah. I knew I knew exactly as said as soon as I said those words I was like yeah I but also we are forever haunted by that. Yeah, I I really liked how it was laid out though to sort of go through the plot of uh Nicol Bolas's entire existence kind of and it didn't it didn't feel like a book about the set war of the spark. It really felt like a book about 
that entire, as they call it in the book, Project Handlebar, which I also really appreciate that we get sort of a look into the R&D working and the creative team working together to create this, you know, decade long spanning story. There's also a number of pieces in here that uh, I'm not sure I've seen anywhere else. Like there's a Michael Comark piece with the Gatewatch with uh, yes. everyone, including Liliana, on page 101 that I don't think I've ever seen before. It's all them on Innistrad with the Sigil of the Moon, correct? Is that the, I think it's a, is it the Duels of the Planeswalker splash art? It might be, it's vertical art. Oh, maybe not then. Hmm. It's like each of them above one another. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's on the same page as um Chris the the piece you mentioned on Innistrad. It's on that same page, but it's on uh, a vertical. It's not on the splash. But yeah, there's a bunch of really good concept pieces and um a lot of big um either uh key arts or promotional arts that weren't like ever printed on cards, but we get to see gigantic here. There are multiple just full two-page splashes with no text. Uh, it's it's really really nice. So uh, what I'll what I'll say about it as well is it is the book I think a lot of us wanted Rise of the Gatewatch, the Abrams book we were talking about previously to be. Like it is full on. There's a lot of the same art here, but it's also a larger book, so there's more art in here as well. Um, but there is just a lot of really great story detail. Now, not all of it is 100% accurate, I should bring <laughs> out, as, as has happened with every art book. Um, some of this is probably drawn from material, uh, or is written before the, um, sets and whatever go live. We don't actually know when this was written. Uh, the last one came out, gosh, in 2018? Yeah. So it's been like two years since the last book. Uh, it's not clear if this one was written and Viz was sitting on it. Uh, I don't know any of those internal business workings. I don't think they could talk about it anyway. Um, or if, you know, James wrote it, you know, late last year or he wrote it two years ago. Um, so if you're some of it is like, I think the one complaint that I saw brought up a whole bunch is like, who who ends up with the city of Orazka at the end of Ixalan? Oh yeah, that one stood out real hard. Like other than that, uh, there there are a few minor things like that. But the the idea of these books is not to give you the perfect history. It's it's to be you know a it's it's a general useful tool for these things. Yeah, if you have any serious complaints about the contents, you can mail it to me. And I will personally revise some of the contents to be more accurate by my understanding of magic lore. And then I can mail <laughs> it back to you. Uh, and they, we mentioned before that some of the project handlebar documents are in here too. So I think mm -hmm. some of the complaints I've seen have more to do with this is drawn from their early plans before, you know, those plans changed in some capacities. So we already know Kaladesh and Amonkhet got swapped around from the original plan that was laid out here. Dominaria was supposed to be two sets. It lost a set from what the original plan was. So some of the discrepancies you might see in this book as well are how things diverged from earlier plans, which is in itself useful information. It's cool from a Vorthos perspective. Yeah, that's something that the past art books haven't had, um, where there, there are a few sections uh, in this book where... It's not written like an encyclopedia or a world guide. It's written from a first-person perspective of someone in the creative team talking about 
what it was actually like to design this arc. And yeah, like I said, there's the Handlebar document. There's uh, some talks about seven-year plans. Um, there's some insight into uh, specifically Liliana's story and like how much of it, how 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 many things had already been established that they were saddled with that they had to try to work with, uh, and you know that that is a colossal undertaking to try and organize all those disparate pieces of lore and make it all make sense and um, and pay off on things and develop things. Uh, there's talks about ideas of what some of the intentions and goals were with creating the Gatewatch and uh, having recurring characters and the way they could build relationships and make things feel organic and um, and just, just all kinds of stuff like that that is uh, behind-the-scenes stuff that we didn't get in the other art books that uh, in this book really help elevate the lore-dense sections around them. I think this is the book that you want for a gift for the the like real Vorthos in your friend group, uh, or for yourself if you are the big Vorthos in your friend group. This is a. Um, <laughs> I read through it and I was just sort of it, like I really felt enthralled by the way that James managed to switch from giving us these lore details in sort of a narrative way that really feels like you're reading a story, and then seamlessly transitioning into. And, you know, when we were developing the character of Liliana, we really had all of this stuff to consider. And so it's like you go from reading a lore story, basically, like a summary of what happened, and then straight into, like, the thought process of how it was created. And I really appreciated that because it felt like you were really getting a look into the story of, of Nicol Bolas and the War of the Spark. Yeah, and I think that context awareness is, like, the context awareness is something that we try to bring to the cast. Like, we try to be fully understanding of the limitations and like the meta environment jay's book isn't able to be released on time because there's covid closures and everything else (laughs) it's like we know that there's a real world that these things exist in and we know that like things get switched around and stuff and so while we like i don't even remember with the original probably on morrow's blog but the original kaladesh and amanket gang switched up bit like i remember reading that somewhere but, like, if somebody asked me, like, hey, did this happen? I would be like, yeah, but, like, I don't have a source for it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like there's a whole bunch of that stuff that we just kind of, like, absorb and have as community knowledge, but isn't actually, like, recorded and kind of explained anywhere beyond that yeah. the two sets got switched. That That's how we know the nexus of the multiverse is in Ravnica now. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Don't. It's not. But I think that's like the gradual next level to your lore understanding. Not that you should ever take magic story like too seriously. Like you kind of have to have some brevity and like your understanding and knowledge of it. But yeah, understand it's not being written by George Martin who can take seven years to put out his his own perfection. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's being written in context of a card game. And you got to deal with what you got to deal with and you got to keep moving. Like there's just it in that context, magic story has been very impressive, especially compared to other franchises. Um, Because I don't think any other friend I've mentioned this before in this podcast, but I don't think any other franchise out there deals with the churn magic does like the video games. They have years to do these tie in products and things. They, uh, yeah. Like, getting that deeper level of knowledge where you're like, hey, like, 
you knew that this was supposed to happen for the block and you know why this mechanic looks wonky because it was intended to be like setting up for an entirely different storyline than the one that ended up getting told like it's a weird like i don't know any other word for it besides meta it's a weird outside of the game understanding of how the story is developed um that not many people have and like a lot of people want to gush about but at the same time we're kind of limited in the availability of knowledge it's whether people want to speak about it are allowed to speak about it etc uh yeah uh a piece of advice that I had gotten in college as a um, film and writing major that uh, is applicable here is uh, art is never finished. It's abandoned. The reality is no piece of art that you ever consume, especially because we are talking about corporate art here. Um, and as someone who is a corporate artist, none of the stuff you consume is ever in its idealized state. I like idealized states of art don't work if there was never any deadlines for magic story it would just keep getting tweaked and tweaked and tweaked and never be released uh deadlines exist uh at some point you have to stop working on the story because it has to go to print um that's true of you know magic story that's true of creative text that's true of my work on arena like i can i can just come out and say hey, I really hated the Nahiri script I wrote for War of the Spark. And part of the reason why I hate it and why I don't think it's as good, like, I think it's the worst script I've ever written for Arena. And I can tell you that the main reason why is because at some point I had to stop writing scripts because I had deadlines. And uh, I was writing 18 scripts. And if I had more time, it would have been better. But I had the time that was allotted to me. And there are scripts from that project that kick ass and Nahiri's was just not one of them. And that's just the reality of corporate art. That is something that gets revealed a little bit in this book. And uh, I, you know, I'm I'm a big how things are made kind of person. And uh, I, I really appreciate those kinds of insights uh, into process and uh, the actual development of the thing. What I'll also say is having a good understanding of that kind of thing going on in the background without just being, you know, a complete apologist for everything that goes wrong. You know, things that are problematic deserve criticism, whether or not there were other circumstances. It, it'll, it'll get you taken more seriously uh, in the professional world of narrative designers as well. Uh, there, there's a reason Lorelai and I were able to leverage this kind of stuff into work is because we had gotten an understanding of that kind of thing that goes on in the background here. But anyway, let's stop talking about the meta side of the book and talk a little bit about whether or not we would recommend it. Well, can I talk, can I talk about Kazmina first? Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. That's oh yeah. Important. Kazmina's bio. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actual new lore. So Kazmina was one of the new, the three new planeswalkers in War of the Spark, uh, Kazmina, Teo, and the Wanderer. And uh, so every, every like we said, every planeswalker that appears in War of the Spark, uh, I'm pretty sure, has a bio, uh, at least a couple paragraphs, sometimes up to two pages. And uh, so that includes uh, Teo, who we got to see plenty of um, in the novels. So like he's pretty well characterized and have a pretty good idea of who he is as a person. Uh, there's a small blur of the Wanderer, which uh, what we get isn't any more than what we already knew that was publicly said, uh, either through uh, video content or uh, lore blurbs or uh, a little bit of the content we get from the Wanderer in Forsaken. There's uh, minim minimal 
uh, stuff about her. She's supposed to be mysterious. Uh, and she's not Elspeth or Urza or Emrakul. And uh, then there was Kazmina, who didn't appear in... Uh, well, I, I think was briefly in the... Um, the online fiction? The, the Yeah, the, the web fiction version, the retellings of the War of the Spark story from Matt's perspective. I think Kazmina was briefly in there, uh, but that's that's all we've... Uh, seen from her and uh, you know we didn't we didn't get any content anywhere in any form about her and uh, so I I was I was sitting on information for uh, now I guess about a year and a half uh, and now it's time to be published so um, Kazmina uh, has the ability to recognize unsparked planeswalkers uh, people people with sparks uh, who have not been ignited yet she refers to them as embers if you listen to arena lines, the word ember is in there. And I guess nobody would have had that context, which uh, now you do. So that's exciting. And so she, again, is uh, esoteric. Uh, we don't know exactly what she's up to, but she believes that there is going to be some kind of conflict that is going to make War of the Spark look like a game of checkers. And she is building... A secret society of planeswalkers. She's tracking down these embers, uh, igniting these people's planeswalker sparks and indoctrinating them into her society. Uh, we don't know to what ends. Uh, you know, the, the book kind of spins it, hey, she might come in conflict with the Gatewatch. Uh, you know, I obviously have no words for the future of magic stories because that's not anything I can even hint about one way or another. Um, I can only talk about the things that are published, but uh, we have a little more insight into her as uh, a person and what she's about and what she's doing. And for me, that's exciting for that to be public um, because I like when <laughs> I like when Vorthoses get to know things about magic story and characters, uh, especially characters. But uh, yeah, so uh, that that is that is neat information that was uh, unknown until this book was published. So, uh, let's, let's talk about the book itself so we can wrap up this podcast here. Um, so I think my review of this book would be that it made me angry that I didn't get to write this. Like, this... <laughs> <laughs> that's, I think that's the nicest thing I can say for, for, for James. That, that is a nice thing I'm saying here for James. Uh, this is excellent. Uh, it is definitely the kind of book that should be paired with the end of a massive story effort like this uh, for War of the Spark. I think uh, I've I've previously talked about which of the art books you should buy. I think this ranks up there with Dominaria right at the top of the art books. Uh, because while it's a lot of its information you can get in other places... It is put together in such a nice, cohesive way uh, that if you only buy one art book at this point, I would say of the Viz art books, buy my book. But if you only <laughs> buy one, one of the Viz art books, uh, start with War of the Spark. Number two would be Dominaria or Ravnica, whichever you like more. After those two, Zendikar or Innistrad, but Zendikar and Innistrad, you can find a lot of that stuff on the Planeswalker guides that have been put online. Uh, the, that would be my ranking for all of these, but War of the Spark would be right at the top because it's the book that ties all those other books together. 
Yeah, I really like this one. I think if I were going to review and, and encapsulate a recommendation is uh, uh, very specifically, you know, something we have always talked about on the cast is like, it would be really nice to have a lot of information packed densely into one location uh, to be found. And that's kind of what this book is for like, mostly the last 12 years of Magic Story. No single product uh, encapsulates all that better than this. Uh, if if you if you are someone uh, or if you know someone who is just getting into magic lore and is like, hey, what do I read to start? This is this book is a fantastic place to just get acquainted with what is now like a lot of um, a lot of the characters that we're moving forward with, but also just the big event that is still having fallout uh, all, all these years later. You know. Things that happened in War of the Spark impacted the Zendikar Rising story. All these characters were involved in the War of the Spark. And so um, if you just like want to get a sense for the scope of Magic Story and for the characters involved and uh, some good fundamental background to relevant plot things, uh, this book is perfect for that. And uh, I, I think that is probably its best selling point. Um, and and do definitely recommend it for that. It is everything you want to know about one of Magic's biggest bads from beginning to end. I I am an unashamed, unapologetic Nicol Bolas fanboy. I have loved Nicol Bolas for as long as I've loved Magic: The Gathering lore. So this book is inc- like it's just incredibly up my alley. This is exactly what I wanted from an art book. Uh, it is amazing. It is beautiful. Like there. You can see the art on a card, and then you can see the art even on your computer screen, but you don't really see it until it is this big in front of you in this detail. And it is just, sometimes you turn a page and it's got a two-page spread of this gorgeous art, and you are just kind of, like, blown away by how great it looks. Uh, But also, like, it is the story of Nicol Bolas, and if you like Nicol Bolas, this is the book you need to have. It goes through his entire life, basically. Uh, and it explains everything that happened to him. It really gets into his mind at certain points, which I really enjoyed. Uh, it's peppered throughout with some of his best little flavor text lines. I think it is a, I wouldn't call anything a must buy because you don't really need to buy anything like this. But I think that if you are looking to purchase something for Magic the Gathering lore, this is what you should probably be buying this year. And then Jay's book. <laughs> I'll take that because my book is not aimed at the listeners of this podcast necessarily. My book is aimed to get new listeners to this podcast, not for our our hardcore fans on here. Buy this book for yourself and then buy Jay's book and give that to your friend. Yes, 100%. Jay's book doesn't even have Ramaz in it. <laughs> oh, oh, that is one thing this book includes, a reference to Ramaz. He is, uh, he's canon. Freaking Ramaz. Coming back, Kaldheim. My review of this book is that I do not physically own a copy of it because I was trying to <laughs> condense my trips to Barnes and Nobles to get both Jay's book and this book. And then once Jay's book wasn't available physically without ordering from them, I didn't end up making the trip yet. But yeah, I'm just going to echo everybody else's sentiments. I And add that I wish this came out at a more timely um, release. Like I know we we can't have everything we wish for, but obviously War of the Spark in, uh, and the Bolas arc in this kind of retrospective format would have been pretty much the 
the hottest item to kind of cap off um, the War of the Spark story after Ravnica. It's just it's just everything that we kind of wanted from the art books up until now, and it's a crime that we kind of get it as the last installment in the series as far as we're mm-hmm. aware of going forward, but better late than never. Well, here's what I'll say. If this... If if this sells well, if my book sells well, you might see more of these if, these kinds of things eventually in the future. It's much easier to pitch something like this if they sell well. So make sure to buy them if it's what you want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if 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 you don't want it, that's okay too. Uh, that about does it for today. Uh, let's talk about fine. Let's do final thoughts. My final thought is to listen to public health experts. That's that's the thought. That's the sub-thought, whatever you want to call it. Lorelai? Uh, well, you said sub-thought, and my brain will not do any kind of reasonable thing with that word. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but somewhat tangentially related, uh, so uh, Magali Villeneuve, uh, magic artist, uh, and also just artist for all kinds of things, uh, I think she did her first D&D art published this year? If I recall, I don't remember. Anyway, she's awesome. So uh, she did a piece for uh, Star Wars of a younger Admiral Thrawn. And uh, so Magali has a history, especially in magic, of painting uh, very beautiful women. Thrawn is a handsome boy and gay. <laughs> you can you can call him beautiful. Sometimes a dyke just be gay for boys. And that's my final thought for this week. Uh, my final thought is probably that uh, League of Legends' newest character came out today on Thursday, uh, Seraphine, and she's a pop star. And I think that's really cute that they can just have a pop star in their lore, and it's okay. My final thought is issuing a correction to last week's final thought. I told you all to go out and vote. I should have clarified, vote for Joseph Biden for president and also for other local races down ballot. Oh, but most yeah. importantly, Joseph Biden. The name is Joe Biden, J O E B I D E N. I do not like the guy, but he's got to get in there. So. <laughs> for for president of the United States. Yeah, here's what I'll say. Uh vote for the person whose strategy wouldn't is not let people die until it, the virus goes away. Yeah, I think, like, I, w- I wasn't going to mention this on the cast, but, like, I think the handling of the coronavirus particularly has, like, not us any s- more special than anybody else in this world, but has impacted everybody on the cast pretty damn negatively. And it's just an obvious health policy failure, and we we want to live in a better world. Well, as long as we're going to get politically partisan, which we should, because fuck Republicans, uh, don't ever vote for a Republican because they're trying to kill me and uh, multiple members of the cast. And like, so don't just don't. I know I know the Democrats suck, too, but also we need to, like, survive in order to change things at some point. So, yeah. Oh, anyway, uh, <laughs> on happier notes uh if you like our show and enjoy our show and like us talking about magic and stuff 
then you can head over to patreon.com slash cast and help support us today. Because just like with the art books, um, supporting them means you get more of them. Supporting us means you get more of us. Um, everyone who supports us keeps the show running, keeps us, um, you know, able to host episodes, able to produce episodes. Uh, you know, we have a wonderful Discord server for everyone who supports us on uh, Patreon. We also have a live listen tier. Uh, so we record uh, Thursday nights at usually at 7 p.m eastern we uh pushed it back an hour uh today but so yeah 7 7 p.m eastern time on thursdays is when we record and you know we have a tier where you can come listen to that and chat with us before and after the show get access to the content a couple days early and uh just have a good time hanging out with folks and yeah it's great join us we love you Unless you vote for Republicans, in which case don't join us. And also, we don't love you. Correct. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.